This is the Actors Room. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. This one, number 47. And today, we discuss just one hell of a guy. Wow. We're going to talk about David Bowie. How about that? Not only just a terrific songwriter, performer, actor. He was a poet. So much more. We're going to get into David Bowie in the actor's room, episode number 47. Oh boy, hang on tight. David Bowie was classified as a singer, songwriter, and actor. But it goes much deeper than that. Not only was he a musician and actor, but he was a poet, producer, painter, and performer. Let me just say this. I believe him to be one of the greatest performers of all time. Now, mind you, I said performer. Bowie transformed himself to give us performances we will never, ever forget. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and today we will discuss, of course, just the multi-talented David Bowie. And I've wanted to talk about him for a long time. I always shied away from it because I want to concentrate on actors, but not only is David Bowie just a very brilliant-minded musician, but he was an actor as well. And we'll touch upon his acting, we'll touch about his childhood, and everything that led up to him being the inspiration and just this really interesting guy. You can't deny that. Whatever you feel about David Bowie, You can't take away from the simple fact that this man was truly amazing in many different ways. And uh, because he was such an intriguing figure, I'm going to break it down. I don't like doing this, but I'm finding in this podcast that I am diving deeper into these people. That's fine. And in doing so, the shows are going to be longer than I wanted. I primarily want my shows to be one-parters. But that's not going to happen. David Bowie deserves multiple episodes. Now, mind you, I could make a three-hour episode, but that's too long. We're going to break it down. I think it's going to be three sections, three parts. This is part one, and this part will be primarily his um, childhood, which is interesting, and the beginning of his career. So sit back, relax. Grab yourself a nice beverage. It's the 4th of July here at the Trowski household. So happy 4th, everyone. Uh, You'll be hearing this after the 4th, of course. Um, So here we are. I'm in the middle of my holiday here. It's about noon. I'm going to do this episode, and then I'm going to break away and relax the rest of the day, have a burger or two. But for the meantime, right now, let's discuss Mr. David Bowie. 
Now, before I continue any further, um, I wanted to go back and expand on the thought that I made previous about him being a performer. And I say performer in the sense of how he used his acting ability, which I love, to make his music that much better. It was his movements, mannerisms, charm, charisma, and costumes that made the audience take notice of him. It's so true. He brought something new and different and all that stuff to the table. Um, Now, David Bowie himself has said that uh, he doesn't consider himself a musician. Isn't that weird? Or an actor. Um, He found that to be inaccurate in describing himself. Now, he pretty much says he's an artist in music and acting, painting, performing, all that stuff were just a few things he did to express himself. Now, he also found other ways to channel his interest in art from other venues, and some of the other venues he used were a little dangerous, and we'll get into that later. It'll be an absolute honor to talk about Mr. David Bowie, so here we go. I consider David Bowie to be a very brave man. He broke boundaries in music and culture. Now, he would reinvent himself again and again. Always something new, something fresh, something shocking. He was an artist that enjoyed pushing the limits. And these are the artists that really make their mark in the world. There was always something more to learn about art in himself, he thought. He continued to search up and to the very end. Now, here is a quote from Trent Reznor of the Nine Inch Nails. Quote, David's role has been monumental in expanding the concept of what a pop star, a rock star, or an entertainer can be. End of quote. David Bowie was born on January 8th, 1947 in Brixton, London. His real name is David Robert Jones. His mother, Peggy, was a waitress, and his father, John, he was a promotions officer. His mother's side of the family was Irish. Now, David's home life was a bit unconventional. Now, when David was born, his parents weren't married yet. Now, they had previous relationships where they had kids already. They were both previously married And when David was born, they weren't married yet. They didn't get married until I think David was eight months old. This is very similar. I just thought of this. Very similar to uh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, His mother, Peggy. I guess she was kind of a real stern woman. Now, they got along for the most part through my research. But they didn't see eye to eye. On a lot of things. Now, Dave was closer to his dad. Very much so. The mom, eh, not so much. Uh, There was no nonsense with the mom, Peggy. None. And David would struggle in being close with her. And more so when he started to become famous. Um, He would express in interviews when asked about his parents... And he and his mother had a mutual understanding, he said. I don't know what that means exactly, but from what I gather, it was basically 
when David was brought up in conversations that like his mom maybe was talking to a relative or a neighbor. So how's, how's David doing? And David at this time, being a star, uh, dressing up the way he did, very flamboyant, uh, wasn't exactly smiled upon in the older generation. I'm sure it was hard for her to sort of explain what David was doing. (laughs) But for the most part, um, she loved her son. Um, She just had a hard time uh, with uh, the way he acted and looked and things like that. I mean, you know, parents, all that shit. (laughs) All right, so... Getting back on track here, uh, from what I understand, there was some deep-seated issues with his mom's side of the family. And I say this because there was a history of mental illness that ran very deep. Uh, I guess a few of his mom's siblings committed suicide. And this scared the shit out of David. He always felt that he could slip into madness at any time. Which is really scary if you think about it when you have... Uh, one side of the family that has a history of going insane. Basically, um, depression, mood swings. Some of them committed suicide. It was so bad. And Bowie in interviews says that growing up, he really feared the fact that he could catch it. It was like a virus that at any time that you would wake up the next morning and just be insane. That is absolutely frightening. Disturbing, frightening. And this is what was going on through the mind of David Bowie as a child and even throughout his entire lifetime. He feared the fact that he could simply lose it. Uh, And this kind of was a churning force in his uh, isolation issues, which is going to show up in a lot of his songs and his work alongside music, acting as well. And I also want to say that I believe this played an integral role in his spiritual being. He felt different and alone in the world. The experience of feeling isolated was prominent in his world. This feeling was deeply rooted within him, and he would express it within his work. David's father had aspirations in the music industry as well, I guess. Um, His first wife, David's dad's first wife, was an aspiring singer, and he would be instrumental in promoting her. His dad, would, his dad was small, fragile, gentle, and sweet. David loved his father very much. David also had a close relationship with his half-brother. And his name was Terry. He was a few years older and was instrumental in getting young David out of his shell. Uh, he showed him music. He showed him literature. It's safe to say that his half-brother Terry was his idol and would play an important role in David's later work. Some would say that Terry was David's best friend. In 1956, his brother Terry enlisted into the Air Force and David felt alone. But his brother had brought up his confidence and David was able to meet new friends when the family decided to move into the suburbs. He was a sweet boy, a good friend. He even joined the local Boy Scout troop. How about that? David Bowie, he was a Boy Scout. I love that. I have a daughter, my little Lexi. She is nine. She's a Girl Scout. It's fucking adorable, folks. If you have kids out there, all right, and they're involved in Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, whatever, isn't it precious? They had a parade earlier today for the 4th of July. Just adorable. And 
you know, David Bowie, seeing him as a little Boy Scout, it just, I don't know, it lights up my heart. Anyway, we're going to continue on here. Young David loved to talk sports and all things associated with America. He was fascinated with the United States, but he was particularly enamored with America's music, rock and roll. He loved Elvis, Fats Domino, and absolutely adored, and I mean adored, Little Richard. His dream was to play the saxophone in Little Richard's band. David was absolutely blown away by the way Little Richard was so theatrical and fun and full of life. And he was. Little Richard was one hell of a character. And, you know, doing something really different back then. Little Richard, props. I guess David's favorite subject in school was, of course, art. A few years later, his brother Terry returned from the military and continued on with educating David on the arts. He showed him a bohemian lifestyle. They would listen to jazz, big band stuff, and soon enough, David was making his own music. He was so interested in music, he felt that at a young age, I can write my own, even now. He started off playing guitar and then saxophone. And before reaching his teens, he was already switching up his looks. He was experimenting with his hair. Always a different look. His clothes, searching for something. You know, we all did that when we were kids. But I guess David went a little extra, like constantly changing his hair. The way it looked, styling, things like that. His clothing. Uh, They said, like his friends would say, that he was a trend guy. And he would find something that grabbed him and said, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll wear that today. Some people said they would see him in several different outfits in one day. That's how into it he was. It just seemed like the kid was searching for something. But it was one moment that stood out in his young life that I find interesting. He was girl crazy and flirted constantly. Well, he got a bit too close to his best friend's girl. So what happened? Well, the best friend had enough. And decided to let David have it. A fist to the eye. He hit him so hard. That he nearly lost his sight in that eye. He had to have three operations. To save his sight. It ended up permanently damaging. His pupil in that eye. And I didn't know this story. Before I did my research. I just thought. That Bowie. Intentionally. Put like a contact lens in that one eye because it looks so fucking different than his other one. Like it looked like he was wearing a darker contact lens in the one eye and the other eye was just normal. Well, this was done by his friend when he was a, a school kid. He's hitting on some girl, right? Back then we're all protective of a certain girl we'd like. Well, Dave was flirting a little too much and his best friend, actually, it was his best friend that did this to him. Punched him so fucking hard in the eye. He nearly lost his sight. And I love it. They're interviewing this best friend. In this documentary I saw. He was. uh, He felt pretty bad about it. I didn't realize I hit him that hard. That was not my intention of course. There's no way I would want David to lose his sight. He felt really bad about it. Three operations. It took for him to regain his sight. And permanent damage done to his pupil. 
it was like his pupil was huge in that one eye. That's just the way it looked. And David thought to himself, this is fucking fantastic. This is great. I look so different. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to get punched in the face because I was hitting on some girl. Fucking brilliant. All right. Okay. So, uh, but the injury to his eye resulted in him being cooped up in his bedroom for three months of recovery. After the operations, he had to lay in his room for three months to recover. This played with his mind. And he was deep in thought about his isolation. Here is a quote from David himself about this part of his life. Quote, I felt often that ever since I was a teenager, so adrift and so not a part of everyone else, and the dark secrets of my family, that it made me feel very much an outsider in the world. End of quote. But there was some good that came out of this. Of course, he delved deep into music. He loved listening to show tunes. Isn't that awesome? He was interested in musicals. The stories, they grabbed him. And he was very much feeling that in the early years, he would be writing music and stories for musicals. That's what he wanted to do. And this is very important. And I'll tell you why. This shows up when he created his Ziggy Stardust character. It was an artistic game for David. And its roots started when he was a young boy. The Beatles created history in 1962. And the 15-year-old Davy Jones began his journey by joining a few bands. His first band he joined was called the Conrads. They played pop tunes and lasted about a year. Next band he created was with his friend George, the one that cracked him in the eye and did a hell of a job at that. Um, I guess they called their band the King Bees, and it was like a, a, an R&B group. Um, but his best buddy decided, eh, I don't think I'm going to do this music thing anymore. I'm done. I want to go into graphic design. Sorry, Dave. David was pissed first about the breakup and decided... Well, you go ahead and do what you got to do, buddy. But for me, music, that's my life. Okay, I don't think about anything else. Uh, art is my life. I don't think about anything else but art, music, uh, dancing, uh, performing, putting myself out there, expressing what I'm feeling to the masses. That's what I want to do. And I think this situation that happened with the best friend saying it really wasn't that important to him, I think made Bowie, or at this time he's named Davy Jones. I mean, that was his real name, Davy Jones. That's hilarious because the monkeys, Davy Jones. And we'll get to that in a second. He had to change his name because of that. But getting a little off base, um, David Bowie slash Davy Jones um, came to a point in his progressions as an artist in the driving force and continuing onward, he sees his friend sort of drift away, not believing in what he's doing and wanting to do something else. I think this solidified uh, Davy Jones's drive, okay, to make it on his own because he formed a new band soon after this and made sure they would get noticed. The band was called the Mamish Boys. 
Now, he made a pledge to take a stand against those that made fun of progressive artists that, you know, wore long hair and made, you know, statements about liberal things. David felt himself to be a maverick. But once again, his band broke up, so he started his fourth band. We're on number four. And this band was called The Lower Third and was still going by his name, Davy Jones. But like I said, there was another Davy Jones getting popular at this time. The Monkees, right? So he had to change his name. Jones, it wasn't going to work. So we had to think of something else. Now, being a big fan of all things America, he chose the popular Bowie Knife name and went with it. I guess the Bowie Knife just signified toughness. He liked the name. That's it. He thought, Bowie. David Bowie. I love the name. Great choice. Very nice choice. David Bowie, it would be from now on. Now, in 1965, at the age of 18, he is now David Bowie. I think I've said his name around 50 times already. I apologize if you're getting a little sick and tired of his name. But you're probably going to hear it about 199 more times. But you know what? It's a David Bowie episode. I said it again. On a roll. Onward. Within the next few years, he managed to put out a single, but it failed to reach the charts. But he was able to attain a manager in the process. So he goes out, finally makes a single. It wasn't successful. But he's getting his feet wet in the business, and the single he put out at least grabbed the attention of somebody in the business And this guy became his manager. So now he had some backing. Somebody that believed in him. His career was on its way when tragedy hit. His older brother Terry, at the age of 29, began to exhibit signs of schizophrenia. This sickness that ran in his mom's family. His half-brother Terry was showing signs already at the age of 29. It was so bad That he was committed to an institution. His brother. This is significant. Because David was absolutely horrified. That it was going to happen to him next. The thought of this was so frightening. And you can only imagine that. I mean. It was the. I don't know. It's so weird to think about. Like. It was a distinct possibility that. With all his family history. That he could have it. And he, I think, at one point believed he did. And this would play into how he viewed the world, his music, and his craft. And we got to experience that. Then soon after this, his new manager got him a contract, a record contract. David would cut a record. Now, I made a point, and I'm not fucking kidding, to listen to every single David Bowie song he put out. That was a journey, people. I went from the very beginning to the end. And what a fucking journey it was. Now, I have known of David Bowie's music, of course, like everyone else out there. But I didn't listen to any of his earlier stuff. I didn't even know it existed. I know he did shit back then. But I made a point 
I listened to every song he ever did. It's a lot. I started last Monday. I got up to album number four in one day. And the next day I did a couple more albums. And like the third day I really did a nice job. I did about four or five. Now some of his albums were much longer than others. Some of them it took me like, you know, 25 minutes to listen to. Um, And I made a point to bring up his lyrics as well uh, on one site and then listen to his music and follow uh, his music and his words because sometimes it's hard to understand uh, certain lyrists. It just is. These singers, uh, you know, they get into the music. You can't, oh God, what do they say there? So it was really nice to follow along and I found it's so interesting that he's such a poet and a lot of the things that he put on paper and then into music is crazy uh, to dive into and make your own opinion on. I think that's what he was going for in his art is to pose more questions to give you answers. It's so artistic that these sites that I went to, they have the lyrics, right? And underneath, they have a comment section. Some songs more popular than others. But for the most part, there would be comments. Lots of them about the song. And people love to give their view, their opinion on what the the song really meant. Like they know what it meant. Nobody really knows except David Bowie. And he wasn't about to tell every detail of his songs. Because there's so many of them. Uh, But even back in the day, uh, some of the songs that he wrote were so artistic and poetic. That the meaning itself, you didn't know what they meant. You just there's they're not put forth in a way. You go, oh God, the dog walked across the street and got a bone. Got it, got it. No, no, no. David Bowie wrote like yeah, it could mean a hundred different things. And reading the comment section, fascinating to see how many different opinions on one song. Sometimes you would get a hundred different opinions on one verse. They were convinced, like these people writing the comments, oh, it definitely means this. What are you, a moron? And then the next guy would bring up a really nice point and give a different spin on what he thought the song meant. And it made sense to me. And the next person, and like it went on and on. The beauty of his music is just that. And his lyrics. They can mean so many things to so many people. It all really boils down to what it means to you. Now, like I said, the journey from A to Z, uh, listening to all of his songs and that progression that it was, was beautiful, different, uh, interesting. And listening to his very early stuff, uh, his first album was actually pretty good. I mean, you could tell, wow. I mean, it was dated, of course. I mean, kind of folksy, uh, um, they call it music hall stuff. It's different for sure, but catchy. Some of the songs were real catchy, uh, very cute, cute stuff, uh, very poetic as well. Even back then, he wanted to put forth some interesting lyrics, and he did. Interesting concepts, and he did. Even back then, his very first album called David Bowie. Um, check it out if you've never checked it out. And, and before I move on, I just want to point out that I actually like the song Silly Boy Blue the best. Now, The first album, it didn't do well. Hey, it was his first one. Cut him some slack. He's learning, right? His manager had an idea. David Bowie should branch out with his artistic abilities. 
And try this. Acting. Try acting. Yes. So that's what he did. In 1967, he got his first role in a short film called The Image. He plays a character that's a drawing that comes to life. His first acting role. Very cool. Watched it. Liked it. You could see he's got that presence. Of course he does. Look him on stage. Look at the way he performed and stuff. He was a natural born performer. Bowie soon realized that he loved acting. Soon enough, he was being educated by performance artist Lindsay Kemp. Lindsay taught David everything about the stage. And he blossomed. He was taught about projection, about makeup, clothing, and costumes. And he will once again incorporate all of his experiences early on to the later work. He would then meet a woman, and her name was Hermione. At this time, he fell head over heels for her. He really fell for Hermione. The two would form a band together with another friend, and the trio was called The Feathers. They even made sort of a music video back in the day because they were sort of kind of incorporating David's acting ability into his music and kind of showing a different side to attract a broader audience. Well, they made a music video. Now, during the video, the production of the video, His new girlfriend, well, they weren't exactly, I I think they were together for about a year. She decided, eh, I'm out. Not only of the band, but of you too, Dave. Uh, Don't want to be around anymore. Bye. He was crushed. Not only because she walked out, like, of the production and the band, but he walked out on him. Unacceptable. (laughs) How dare you break up with me at this point in my life. You know, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. And she walked out on him. So this is what he did. He placed his feelings into creating a performance workshop that took place at the back of a bar. So this is what happened. He's pissed, right? Heartbroken. He just can't lock himself away and cry. He might have cried a little. But the dude moved on. And he... He had to place this, this frustration, right, and put it into something artistic. So he created a workshop, man, like a free art-filled workshop where you could go and do anything art-related in this workshop. It was located at the back of a bar. He was toning his craft, and he would tone it any way he could. I get the impression That even early on, he had to be constantly working on something art-related. Had to be. It didn't matter what it was. If it was art-related, that was okay with David Bowie. Then he found himself a muse. He watched a little film called 2001, A Space Odyssey, done by Stanley Kubrick. And folks, he was blown away. And I just want to mention, I highlight Stanley Kubrick, and I did last year in episode number 14. You got to see it. You're listening to David Bowie episode. 
Hello, David Bowie episode here. Uh, there's some episodes back in the day, all right, that are really good. Uh, now, mind you, I've been progressing myself in the podcast, but I got to say, my Stanley Kubrick episode, number 14, yeah, number 14, not bad. You get to learn some things about Stanley you may not have known about, plus the fact there was some really interesting things about his personal life, how he was involved in certain things in high society. Take a listen to it. Now, David Bowie watched 2001, and he felt it necessary to do something similar in his work because it inspired him so much. The whole idea of space, this timeless, boundless, just artistic thing was so fascinating to him. He couldn't quite grasp it. It was so interesting. And said to himself, whoa, 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 whoa. I can do something space related. Make it work. Uh, People are interested in stuff like that. I could create something out of this. That was really stupid. Might cut that out. If not, I said that because, folks, that's where you get a little song called Space Oddity. And Major Tom was born. I believe that the rejection from his former girlfriend in the Kubrick film shaped the song. This will kick off his knack for storytelling. This is where his talents lies first. Then it transfers over to a more creative arc, which includes costumes, makeup, and acting. It is showtime. This is so vital to the success of David Bowie. Yes, he was doing something different, but it was good. And people really started to take notice. The song came out months before the moon landing in 1969. It played for months on British radio. Bowie was happy for its success, but it quickly slid off the charts and hardly ever grazed the surface of the United States. So close, but David wasn't deterred. He was on to something here. Then a new woman came into his life, and her name was Angie Barnett. She was hip. She was fun. And she was all about Bowie. She was on board with his talent and promise. Angie did all she could to help in the progression of David. And I love this part of the relationship. David and Angie were committed to each other, of course, right? They were together. Yes, but they were free to see other people if they wished. An open relationship. David's father suddenly got sick and caught pneumonia. He would die shortly after this. He lost his father quickly. Bowie stepped up to the plate and took on the responsibility of arranging the funeral and taking care of things. He had much respect for his father, and his dad always supported his son and his talent. David Bowie found inspiration in the talents of musician Lou Reed and tried to follow in his footsteps. 
Reed was part of the band called the Velvet Underground, and they were associated with Andy Warhol. And getting away from Bowie for just a moment. Andy Warhol. Okay, now... (laughs) Hmm. I never really had the desire to look up Warhol before. Just never crossed my mind. I knew, of course, of Andy Warhol. Who the fuck doesn't? Just never really had the courage to... I thought his art was... Uh... Hmm... I'm going to come right out and be honest. I'm not going to beat around the fucking bush. Because I don't like doing that. I don't like his work. And to be quite honest with you, I dived a little bit into him. Not much. I don't want to go ahead and give a full-on 100% opinion on Andy Warhol. But on the surface, I just get a bad vibe from this guy. Creepy, weird vibe. Uh, He comes off as a prudish, uh, just not... Very nice guy. Uh, I don't want to bash on Andy Warhol. It's not my intention. I'm just letting you know how I feel about Andy Warhol. Just what I learned. The very little that I learned about him. I could be completely off about Andy Warhol. People would just say he was an artist. He was just a weird artist guy. You know, cut him some slack. He was doing what he was doing. That's the way he was. Okay. I don't like it. (laughs) There, you heard me say it. Now I'm intrigued maybe to look more into him and maybe I'll be proved wrong in finding out how he grew up and everything because the end product was quite strange. Got off base. (laughs) Like I've said in the past, I do that often. Not every episode. There are some episodes I just go straight on, you know, and I stay on topic all the way through. This episode, it's not going to be like that. It already hasn't already. I think that's the second time I've gone you know, over something else. Um, But it's pertinent because uh, Bowie was fascinated with Warhol and his band, The Velvet Underground. And Bowie was just interested in Warhol, period. Um, He respected his art because it was different. I mean, I get that. I do. And I think my brother is the same way. I can't speak for my brother, but I think he would agree with me. And his art. Maybe not. I don't think I've ever talked about Warhol with my brother. Hmm. I don't think I ever did. But when I think of Warhol, I think of that fucking, uh, what, that soup can he put on a a canvas? Fascinating. I know. It's this modern pop art, uh, you know, whatever the fuck it is. Uh Uh-huh. Just weird stuff. Can't wrap my head around it. Okay, maybe I'm that part of my artistic brain is was shut off, and I need maybe to do some more drugs to open it up. Maybe. See, I, I didn't get into drugs like most of the actors and things that I've known and and things like that. I just never did. Never interest me. I I drink. You know, I'll have drinks, uh, and that's about it. You know, I smoked some pot when I was younger. Which was fascinating. Never did mushrooms or anything like that. No acid. Stuff scares me. Like, weed was enough. I couldn't imagine going further than that. So it goes to show, maybe I'm not open to certain things. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go there. Where others are not. Someone like a David Bowie was not afraid to take a plunge to go somewhere. 
to further gain knowledge about something. And in the process, you expand your mind. There are other things you learn. You learn about so much more. And for me, going that far out there, I'm a little scared. Um, it's fascinating. And those of you that go way out there and find all these cool things, hey, cool, tell me about it. You come back, and I'll listen. I don't have to go there. You can go there. Uh, and then you can tell me about it. That's fine. I'd like a, you know, a, an opinion about what it's like to be all the way out there near the edge. Hope you don't fall. David nearly fell a few times. Thank God he didn't. And we'll get into his drug use later on in the second episode of this three-part odyssey of David Bowie. Now, Bowie was um, also intrigued with another musician at this time who displayed no fear on stage. And that was Iggy Pop. Once again, what? (laughs) I think Mr. Bowie, in his early career and just learning about stuff, picked the two (laughs) most... Unrevealing, I'm sorry, unsafe, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the wrong word here, like a moron. Two of the most unpopular people in my world, Andy Warhol and Iggy Pop. Now, I give props to Pop, well, props to Pop for his, like David said, okay, and I think this is what fascinated Bowie about Iggy Pop, was his, his, uh, no fear on stage. And he really did have no fear. He didn't give a fuck about anything on stage. He showed no fear. And I think Bowie liked that aspect of his art on stage. Iggy Pop was doing something so brave on stage. Uh, always like nearly naked. I mean, the dude just doesn't like wearing clothes. It's as simple as that. Every time I see that guy, uh, whether it's in a photograph or a video, the dude never has a shirt on. He's just one of those people. Shirtless, always, just running around shirtless. He doesn't need a shirt. What the hell do you need a shirt for, really, guys? You know, women do, okay? Guys, they don't need to wear a shirt. They just choose to wear shirts. Iggy Pop's like, I don't want to wear a shirt. So I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't wear shirts. Uh, Now, David respected these guys, both Iggy and Andy Warhol, because they thought outside the box and presented an attitude whether it was on stage or on a piece of art. It was show. And it should be a show. He identified with them. David would do this. He would take a bunch of pieces from all sorts of people and then put them all together. His creation. So Bowie decided to dress up as a character with a new band he formed in 1970 called The Hype. Nothing extravagant yet, but he was taking baby steps. He found that wearing a costume and acting like a character helped along not only his act, but his music. David, in his own words, would say he wasn't a natural performer. Not at all. He said, I wasn't good at performing as myself in the early years. But I love coming out as someone else. So I kept doing it. But the audience didn't care for it at first. The band was berated during their sets when they would sing on stage. Profanity was shouted all around them. Lewd remarks about their sexuality. Hey, are you a girl or a boy? They would actually shout that while they were performing. It was at this time David Bowie decided to marry his girlfriend Angie. 
but this didn't alter their open relationship. And I don't get this. I just, isn't that what marriage is? Uh, A commitment to somebody and you don't mess around with other people? But they got married and decided to continue on with their previous ideas about the relationship was, uh, you know, you're with me, I'm with you, but it's okay if you go out and have sex with Bill. I don't care because I'm having sex with Jane. So, no problem. Had my eye on Jane for a little bit. And then Bob later on. Um, I, but what I gather through my research on this whole thing, because I found it kind of peculiar. I figure, you know, if you have a relationship where it's open, it, why get married? What's the point? So diving a little deeper, I found that I think the main reason why they got married was because this allowed Angie to get her British citizenship. So there you go. Then David decided to make some drastic changes in his life and career. The psychedelic age was upon them, and music was changing as well. He needed to be drastic and stick out. Now, even his wife agreed and recommended for David to wear more feminine clothes. So that's what he did. But David would wear dresses. Dave was hesitant. At first, with this notion, this idea, that was backed by his wife at the time. Dave, how about wearing a dress? Mm, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I, it was interesting, but I don't know about wearing a dress. I don't know. Be outrageous, his wife said. It's okay to do it. Really, it's, it's interesting. It's outrageous. Isn't that what you want to do? This is the time to do it. See where it takes you. His wife was very supportive of this. And felt David doing this would actually help his career. And guess what? It worked. His cross-dressing style caught the attention of the press. And his new album titled, The Man Who Sold the World, had David on the cover of this album in long blonde hair and a dress. Bold. I loved this album, by the way. It was excellent. There was a new addition to the family for Angie and David. They had a son. And his name is Zoe Bowie. You heard me right. They rhymed it. They did it. They went it. They went all out. They said, we're we're having a son. We're going to pick a name. It's going to rhyme. And it's going to sound cool, right? Zoe Bowie. That was their son's name. But there wasn't much time to spend with his new son, for his career was gaining momentum. Soon enough, he was flown into New York City to sign a contract with RCA. His next album, titled Hunky Dory, did well, and mostly because of a little song called Ch-Ch-Ch-Changes. I love that song. It was happening. The song was a hit. Bowie was becoming a name. And he was being interviewed. And in one of his interviews, he announced that he was gay. This was a brave move. Even more so back then. Not like today. So he was comfortable with his bisexuality. And I saw an interview that he gave. And I saw it about a few days ago. 
And they brought up the fact of his sexuality. And I think he was just so sick and tired of talking about it. They asked him again. And he said, I've answered that question already. We're moving on. (laughs) I love to see Bowie in interviews kind of get a little pissed. Because overall, he was just a sweet guy. You know, and then there would just be a stupid question asked. And he just looked like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Don't be a fucking moron. All right. Don't be an idiot. I know you're not an idiot. Okay. Don't be an idiot. Love his mannerisms sometimes. Watch interviews with David Bowie. Fantastic. Okay. So we got the new contract. You know, Changes was a big song. He's, you know, gaining confidence. Giving interviews. Says he's gay. Like, this is now, like, they're talking about this guy. All right? And that was positive. They asked him questions and he answered them. Truthfully, get that. That's rare. Now, you have to admit that the timing was perfect because of the fact that his music, his image, his reputation were all coming together at the same time and boosting his career. His character was a cross-dresser, bisexual, married man with a son. Interesting indeed. And here is a little something from David himself in an interview he gave in 1973. What does David think of David? What did David Bowie think about David Bowie? Um, Well, all right. I find that I'm a a person who um, can um, take on the guises of, of different people that I meet. I can switch accents. In, in seconds of meeting somebody and I can adopt their accent. I've always found that I collect. I'm a collector. Um, and I've always just seemed to collect personalities, um, ideas. I have a hodgepodge philosophy, which really is very minimal. Um, very Do you believe in God, is my, What? Do you believe in God? Um, I believe in an energy form, but I'm not, I, wouldn't, uh, put, I wouldn't like to put a name to it. Do you indulge in any form of worship? Um, uh, life. I love life very much indeed. You split people down the middle, don't you, a lot? Uh, that is to say that people are, are hostile to you or they're, indi- or they're totally indifferent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, kind of, what kind of reaction do you get from the people who are, are violently in favour of you? I mean, do you get fan mail? Yes, a lot. What, um, is it scabrous or dangerous <laughs> or interesting or exciting? It's very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Um, well, uh, I seem to draw a lot of fantasies out of people and a lot of the fan mail I get. A lot of it is awfully nice. I mean, they, they say, um, how's your baby and how's your wife and what's your mum's name and things like that. And lot, but some of them are worth framing. Can you tell us about one or two of the framed ones? No, I couldn't really. No, they really are quite heavy. <laughs> <laughs> heavy duty letters, they are. Heavy duty. Heavy duty. Uh, du- sorry, duty. Sorry, I drop me tea sometimes. Nice. I love how the interviewer Asked him what he worships. And he says, life. I love life. And he did. Now on to the most important part of our show, highlighting David Bowie. The next stage of his life concentrates on the creation of his greatest character, in my opinion. It is within this character that allowed Bowie to expand his talents in music and storytelling He would change the landscape of rock and roll forever 
by creating Ziggy Stardust. And we will get into Ziggy in our next episode. Little bit of a cliffhanger, all right? Yeah! Done. Episode one of David Bowie in the books or on the podcast. Whatever thing you want to put it into. Very interesting character. Can't wait to talk more about him. David Bowie is just a fascinating guy. Through and through and doing my research, just a pleasure. I had certain opinions about Bowie beforehand doing this episode. I felt him to be interesting. Very talented. Very mysterious too. We're going to talk about all the other stuff that he has experienced in his life. Just great stuff. You're going to want to tune in for the next few episodes to learn more about this guy. It'll be worth it. Believe me. This first episode was okay. The next two are going to be very good. I guarantee it. Don't doubt me on this. Visit the website. Theactorsroom.lipson.com Leave comments and reviews. Go on iTunes. Please do this. It helps my show. Leave a comment. Give a five-star review. Folks, believe me, it does help the show. I have a donate button on my show. You go to the website. It's right there on the right-hand side. Donate 50 cents if you can. The show really needs it. Uh, We continue to get support. My number's steady. They're not really going up that much. They're just staying like... I don't know. They improve a little, but not that much. Going to need some more support. Looking to do more great shows in the future using some better equipment. I'm upgrading things to help along the show. So David Bowie, part one is over. So I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your weekend, whatever it is for you. It could be morning, right? You could be listening to this driving to work. You could be listening to this eating lunch. Eating dinner. Hopefully not dinner. Hopefully you're eating dinner with your family, right? And not listening to my show. You can listen to my show later. Sit down with your family. Have dinner. Talk to your family. Okay? I just went on a two-day trip to Chicago. Never been there. We went to Milwaukee and Chicago. We saw a concert. And then we spent the day in Chicago. Hot as shit. It was 98 degrees. I think it reached 100 at one point. And the kids were like dragging. So we didn't get to really enjoy downtown Chicago like I hoped we would. But I was really impressed with that city. It's beautiful. Just gorgeous. We saw that bean. It's like a mirror bean. It looks like a lima bean. And it's mirrored. So you get to see yourself in all kinds of weird little you know reflections and stuff. It was interesting. We had fun. Uh, we went to see the art museum. That was raw. Oh, I could spend all day there. I mean, it was great. Not only the fact we got out of the hotness and spent you know, a few hours in the air conditioning, just looking at all that great art. I could spend all weekend there, going from room to room, appreciating all that great art. And this is what this show is all about, art. Learning about art. I'm doing this show and learning more and more about these fascinating people that delve so deep into not only themselves, but the art form. Learning more about art and what it does for them and what it could do for others. It's a diversion and sometimes a big part of our lives. It takes us away and makes us smile or makes us cry, but in a good way. It makes us feel. So thank you once again. My name is Jeff Tarowski. Tune in next week for David Bowie Part 2. God bless you. Have a good one.